You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. So, this episode, we're doing our somewhat non traditional set review where we just pick some cards that are undervalued, overvalued, or perfectly valued, mm -hmm. and then going over how we feel about them financially, why we feel that way, what it is. Yep. So, should be pretty straightforward. I and then, so. as always, picks at the end. Let's get it started. All right. So, the, the first card that I was looking at uh, was Titania's Command. And when I lo started looking at this card, I felt like it was overvalued at $4, and of course that is the case, especially coming through release weekend, and we're looking at this at the Monday after release, and now it is all the way down to a dollar and change. I do believe that for the time being, this is still overvalued. You and I are both of the mindset that this set is going to be very highly opened, and until this goes sub a dollar, maybe even closer to 50 cents, I wouldn't touch it. That said, I think this card is Nutter Butters. In commander so titania's command is four double green for a sorcery like the other commands you get to choose two modes exile target player's graveyard you gain one life for each card exiled this way search your library for up to two land cards put them onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle create two 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 green bear creature tokens put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control so first and foremost i believe that this card is almost always going to be cast for exploration or not exploration sorry explosive vegetation plus mode yeah so that means you're only paying a colorless and a green more for your secondary effect and as far as the four mana value double ramp spells explosive vegetation um migration path and i can't remember the one that gets gates from return to return to wrath yeah i think th the up until this point, Migration Path was the best one because you could cycle it away later in the game when you were running out of basics. This lets you get any land, so it's always live. And when you want to play landfall decks or multicolor decks, three, four, five color decks, being able to go and get your Triomes or what have you that are kind of missing from your mana base to plug the gaps is going to be super important. It is very difficult for me to talk about everything this card does for that mode because it does so much. Any two lands is a very dangerous ability. The second mode that I think might be most common is the win the game mode in put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. That turns every 1-1 one, one into a 3-3 three, three and scales very well across the board. So this card plays immediately very well in a lot of decks. This also yeah. can play against Reanimator with the, the first mode where you exile a graveyard. The extra life is kind of gravy. I think that is there to be pointing towards constructed play. Like Watsy just needed a constructed mode, so there you go. And create two... 2-2 two, two green bear creature tokens, I think was just somebody saying, we need something. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just give us something that is above rate. And when you examine it from the perspective of ex uh, explosive vegetation and leftover mana, it's still above rate because a grizzly bear costs a colorless and a green, which is what you have left over, and then you get a free colorless and a green tacked on with that in the second grizzly bear. So overall, I think price-wise, it's still overvalued. And I think from a play perspective, it's going to be undervalued for a little bit, and I think it's going to hit. I think I started off strong with my picks because I think this might be, for me, the card of the set that comes 
sorry, uh, for financial gain. I think this is the card that's just going to eventually bottom out. You buy in low and you'll sell this for three, four or five dollars later on. Yeah, uh, I think this one's really solid. I think of the cycle, which I I think all of the cycle is good. Uh, I think this one is the best specifically because of how it plays into like the casual side. Yeah. Uh, it, it has that ramp side. It has bears, which is a more popular theme lately. Bear Force than it has. One is a thing. Yeah. That it definitely. absolutely is. Uh, like it, and it hits like the competitive side too with the graveyard removal, which is huge. And, you know, you say six mana is a lot, but in CEDH, you have mana is so efficient that yeah. six is actually fairly reasonable sometimes. Also, cradles in the format? Come on, so guys. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this one's really good. Uh, similarly, the card that I think is overvalued is actually, well, it's got a known history. It's actually Diabolic Intent. Mm -hmm. uh, for the exact reason you just stated, it's sitting at $8 right now. Make no mistake. Uh, I don't think this is going to be highly opened. I think this will be single-handedly the most opened set in the history of Magic and will continue to be so for a while, even if we get serialized cards in future sets. Because the more they do something like that, the less special it becomes, the less people want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Now we have it. I was at Philly this weekend, and someone opened the 420 Bone Saw immediately every single collector booster in the room sold all of them within 20 minutes were gone the ones on star city's prize wall gone uh this card i don't think can really stand a reprint of this size that is being opened this widely uh if you take a look at you know you can just pull up stocks in your spare time and look at the price chart of intent every time it's been reprinted mm -hmm. We get a new floor. Yeah. Goes up for a little bit, and then it goes down below the old floor. Yep. And yep. then there's a new floor that's lower than the last one. And that's going to continue with this. I don't think $7 is where this card ends up. I think that this ends up as like a 4 to $5 card. So if I'm you, I'm holding off on this one for probably about a month. Because I think we won't necessarily see the same price drop mm -hmm. that we have in the past. I mean, at this point... The pack foils are only a dollar or two more than the non-foil. I don't think we'll ever see this card recover. Maybe I'm wrong, but now we know they're prone to reprint it, and it's a large print run set. Yep. We don't have the COVID production problems that we did. This card is going to tank, and I think it's like $2 in the next month before it recovers and eventually settles at its 4 to $5 floor. Yeah, I think the most important part of this card is the fact that it now plays in pioneer and modern but i don't think that's actually going to float the card to where I, it, it is now i think yeah, it's just going to drop like you said the question i have and this this is something i've discussed with a lot of people because everyone's excited for this in pioneer and modern oh yeah how is this better than eldritch evolution i i don't know that it is there's there's no spell-based combo deck where you want this card yeah because, in either of those formats. Yeah, because you still need to pay the mana to actually cast the spell that comes afterwards. So it makes more sense that this continues to be some kind of uh, tutor in EDH. And the most immediate place for this is in the Yawgmoth deck in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Modern, where you rely on your Undying and maybe Persist triggers. I don't know if things at all are in there. And so you get to 
get another bite at the apple, so to speak. But again, this goes in the deck after Eldritch Evolution because you want to go up. You want to climb the chain yeah. in that deck, and this doesn't do that. Like, on turn two, yeah, you could Diabolic Intent away your bird to go get the Thought Seized for protection, but, like, that's just so much mana to do it so little. Yeah. And, you know, maybe in time something comes up and pushes this card, but, yeah, absolutely. I don't see this card retaining value at all. At yeah, all. I, I just don't think right now it does, nope. unfortunately. No. Uh, the second card that I looked at is Liberator, Urza's Battle Thopter, and this is uh, a main set card that I was not surprised to see but very surprised by the art so i think <laughs> this card is actually r relatively right in terms of price right now it's floating between like two and 250 i think when you check on tcg player and this basically to me is another hope of gear Ripper. so it's another artifact general that you want to suit up three mana for a legendary artifact creature thopter it's a one two it has flash flying allows you to cast colorless spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. So a little more interesting than Hope of Gear which has that kind of silence effect as the sack trigger or sack ability on it. And then this last line of text, which is the one I really like. Whenever you cast a spell, if the amount of mana spent to cast that spell is greater than Liberator Urza's, bat Liberator Urza's Battle Thopter's power, put a plus one plus one counter on Liberator. So that's basically every piece of equipment grows this card overall and i expect it to be played kind of like hope of gear is which is a little basically equipment based decks and and a little more popular than hope of gear hope of gear is a very single-minded kind of deck it wants to do yep. one thing and that's put its opponents out of the misery of having to play magic against it but that said Power. because yeah, because you do get to grow this card with Eldrazi. It opens itself up to a little more interesting gameplay. It allows you to use some weird Power Stone generators that are enclosed, the Karn from DMU. And instead of being in the general of 582 decks, we should see this, I would expect, in several thousand decks, still supporting an equipment-based theme, and it might take over that slot as the artifact general. Now, again, this is, I believe, kind of rightly priced for right now. Yeah. In time, if this actually does become a decent casual choice, which I think it could. Be, I think so. Especially giving your colorless spells flash is very unique. So that, again, allows you to flash in your Aldrazi. And if that does happen, if that does get pushed, if this is not the very slanted general that Hope became, then I can see this, again, creeping up to like 3 4 $5. But this is a card I'm definitely looking to keep an eye out for uh, when I'm behind a booth or when I'm looking to trade. I think this is a card that is has the opportunity to have decent velocity behind it very early on and be a long-term gainer in price overall. Yeah, I think this one's really solid, and I think it's, you know, the most... This is another one that's similar to Titania's uh, command has casual and competitive appeal to it. Yep. Uh, obviously, there's not a whole lot of pseudo-up decks in CEDH, but Goto is a primary example. Yeah. Uh, this also just kind of gives some weird play-to-mud decks, because yeah. you don't just need Shimmer Mirror. You can literally have Shimmer Mirror in your command zone now. So you can have some surprise gotcha moments with stuff that you may not have otherwise be able to have, and yeah. it's 
It creates some very interesting gameplay. Uh, also, the art is ridiculous, and I love it. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, it is... It's... <laughs> what? It is oddly grotesque. Now, I love it. Yeah. Now, the reason I say this is right price is because I, I want to bring up the hub of gear for price graph. You see it just absolutely tank, and this standard... Uh, block was basically run by Smuggler's Copter and a bunch of cards that ended up getting banned or being the Scarab God. And once it rotated, it did a lot of nothing. And then people kind of figured it out. So it spikes, drops, spikes, drops, and it's slowly clo uh, climbing over time. You know, market is still about $2, but eventually that'll float up towards 3 And this is the kind of case where I think this is another one of those, like, Panharmonican starts at the right price for Commander because people learned their lesson previously, and I think that's what's happening here. That's why I think Liberator is correctly priced. And so I think we will see it move like Hope of Giraper is now in time. It'll eventually go up, and it'll be a decent hold, but it's not a card I want to stack like 100 of, personally. It's just something oh, I'm going to yeah. look out for because I think I can churn it. Yeah, uh, I think that's very accurate. Uh, my next one, which I also think is appropriately priced, uh, might be kind of interesting. So okay. this is actually uh, the Might Stone and the Weak Stone. So this is one half of the Urza Walker. Yep. Uh, so Urza Lord Protector is the other half. This one I think is appropriately priced because this is something that in EDH is going to be huge. This gives every deck access to removal for most things. Mm -hmm. Uh and draw great that's awesome uh importantly this is the bottom half of urza so no color identity on that side uh oh, yeah. but that's true uh at about three dollars i think this is well priced because this is something that is big mana dumb things it's also a mana rock which is pretty good uh because it doesn't notably come into play tapped so oh. you can cast this, draw cards, cast a mana rock, because the mana can only be used for non-artifact spells. Yeah. Uh, or it can't be used on non-artifact spells, sorry. I also think something very interesting is going on with this card, and this is kind of a fringe mention because obviously the format doesn't have a lot of relevance to financial impact. Okay. Uh, Shops has removal now. Yes. For creatures. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, doesn't work when and, Collector Oof is out, but and, it kills other dudes. And draw. And draw. Yeah. Which is something the deck has historically struggled with. It's uh, something that every mud deck has struggled yeah. with. Well, it's an ETB trigger, so you can't draw, but you can kill the Oof yeah, with it, right? Fair. Yeah. 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 You, so that is definitely definitely worth pointing out. I, again, I don't know if it's a huge push for Vintage, but yeah, that is kind of an interesting little aside. It's like when you see... Um, spine of isha pop up yeah. in vintage or legacy it's there to take care of a very specific problem and this might replace that in the like the deck quote-unquote yeah. box like the teamer box or the the mud box whatever you want to yeah. look at it like this is just another tool in the belt for a time that may or may not happen i actually didn't realize that there was removal on this and that makes it pretty interesting overall to me and i the only thing that i dislike about this card is that it's another one of those weird caveats on how to spend your mana. Yeah. Can't be spent to cast on it. Uh, yeah. The other interesting thing about this that I think is relevant is that both of these being ETB triggers means it plays very well with cards like Sahili mm. that allow you to blink or duplicate artifacts. Or uh, uh, 
is oh no rings of bright hearth is activated Never activated yeah. yeah uh but it lets you have recursive draw and recursive removal yeah. that you might not have access to otherwise when using things like that, which I think is pretty interesting in, like, a value-oriented deck. Yeah. This is something that's significantly more casual. But I think that long-term, this card ends up being in this $3 price range. And the really interesting thing is that right now, the foils are worth the exact same as the non-foils. Mm -hmm. Now, let me say, when I say long-term, I mean in, like, 12 to 18 months, Yeah, this will be the correct price. Okay. Yeah. It's obviously sense. going to drop. Like everything we're talking about here is going to drop in the next week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this the Monday prior to release. So. Yeah. So while everything's it, listable on TCG Player and everybody's able to buy their boxes, not everything's able to ship, and not everybody actually wanted to crack their stuff is what we were finding. Yeah. 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 What so, you got next? So the the I was looking at two cards for my underpriced slot. One of them was Visions of Phyrexia, which is like currently bulk, and my concern is that I don't think it's ever going to come back from bulk. So yeah, that is absolutely well priced, but I don't know. I, I like talking about Outpost Siege because it's a good card, but that it just does nothing. It's not like it's yeah. not an interesting card to talk about when they reprint it for the umpteenth time and you get a Power Stone. So I'm going to talk about Gwenna Eyes of Gaia, and I mentioned this in my sheet. I just have the words "ding ding" written next to it, and I honestly <laughs> forgot why. So right now. The regular set version is priced at a dollar thirty, and my assumption is that we're going to see this go up in price, and it's going to be for any number of reasons that are basically all because of the trigger. Now, I say any number of reasons because this could be constructed play, standard, maybe a little bit of pioneer in the mono green list, or uh, and or EDH. So, uh, Gwenna costs two and a green for a two three legendary creature elf druid scout so right there this is your commander and it actually kind of makes sense to place it there instead of the 99 and because you're not playing this in an elf deck really and no. we'll get to the trigger and, and why that this doesn't go in an elf deck it has an activated ability tap add two mana in any combination of colors spend this mana to only cast creature spells or activate abilities of a creature or creature card so this is <clears throat> A little bit behind the curve in terms of ramp, but you get a better body for it for three than you usually get when it comes to two. But the trigger is what I think sells this card. Whenever you cast a creature spell with power five or greater, put a plus one plus one counter on Gwenna, Eyes of Gaia, and untap it. So that basically just allows you to chain through creatures. That's why I don't think this goes in an elf deck. You just want to play this in the in the big dumb green deck, and that's a lot of what EDH is now for for green. And certainly what your picks have been for exactly. the last three months. <laughs> Look, I got a type. And that's a lot of what happens in the Pioneer deck on and off from Mono Green is there's just this glut of cards with power like four through six that got played somewhere between the main and the side. And this is kind of an interesting look for a deck that does want to ramp with Nykthos. And while this isn't Nykthos, to make that huge burst of mana based on pips, you do get some extra power and the ability to untap it. So it does kind of combo out, quote-unquote, really well that way. I don't think this is like Savala levels of ridiculous and thus the price tag associated with that. But I do think because this has play in, standard, in a number of constructed formats, it has play as a commander immediately in that format and a little bit of play in the 99 i think that for a dollar 30 or what is most likely going to be about 75 cents in a week or two that's going to be well underpriced for this card in the long term and this is one of those things where if it's going to be the commander i think the set version is not the right version to look at i think it's going to be either the i guess there is only the full art right on this card 
Yeah. There's yeah. the full art. Just the full art. Yeah, and that might be the version to look at. It's about $2 right now, which I thought I think is still underserved for this card overall, but I would wait to drop, see that drop into the like $1.50 range before moving in on it. But this is just one of those things. It just plays to this huge swath of the format, like, everywhere. Like, not even considering yeah. the invisibles. So... No, I, I think this one is good. It, it reminds me of, uh, I forget the card's name, the, from Baldur's Gate 2, the Hardened Scales. Oh, the other Hardened Scales. Yeah, the, yeah. the other Hardened Scales that's on a creature. It's just a good effect on a creature, which has obviously been a staple of Wizards forever. Uh, but this is something that is, it does, it has that casual appeal. I could see it in some of the, like, Selvala Bro Storms and CEDH. And like you said, it could even be constructed. I mean, Rishkar saw a ton of play. Mm -hmm. And Rishkar was basically this. Uh, it, it grew, it made mana, it made other stuff. Yeah. Like, it's checked a lot of these boxes, and constructed drove that prior to EDH driving the price. Yeah, I didn't even think about this. This is basically a tidier Rishkar package, because you got two counters to give things. So you would yeah. make two, so two creatures would make one mana each. This is making two mana right, right off the bat. Yeah. They would only make green. This makes it in any combination. And they would also get a little bit bigger. But every time yep. you play your Verdant Gear Hulk, this gets bigger naturally. So Exactly. Uh, it's it's really yeah. good, really tight. Love it. Uh, mine, for what is underpriced, is Sahili Filigree Master. So this one i love for multiple reasons so four mana three loyalty starting plus one scry one you may tap an untapped artifact you control if you do draw a card uh obviously this either shuts off a creature or shuts off a howling mine or a mana rock which is not great mm -hmm. but it lets you filter then we have a minus two that passes the ultimate planeswalker check defending itself mm -hmm. Uh, makes two one ones with flying. The most important one to me is the alt. At only minus four, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control get plus one plus one, and artifact spells you cast cost one colorless less. Now, it's real easy to get that to go off. She comes in one loyalty short, so presumably, yep. after two turns, you can alter. Yep. Or one turn, really. On the second turn, she's out. Mm -hmm. Um. We've seen an emphasis on artifacts. We're going to see another year of releases of emphasis yeah. on artifacts. That's not a secret. And it seems that, you know, we were in an enchantments theme era, then we were, we've been in a creatures theme era forever, and now we're getting into artifacts. This is something that I think is underpriced because, one, this has huge casual appeal. And, two, we're, we have so many cards that are going to synergize with this that we don't even know yet. Yep, yeah. Over the next 12 months, we are going to get so many things that work with this. We may see stuff that untaps or taps and has effects. There's just a lot of things we can do to abuse this. It's in Is It, which is obviously a very popular artificer theme or artificer color combination. It slots into Grixis, which is obviously an artifact shard. Uh, it's It does a lot of things that you want a walker to do. And it's Sahili, who is like this... I don't know, I guess magic favorite planeswalker or something. I don't really pay attention to casual stuff enough to know. My bad. Uh, I just think that this in about 12 to 16 months is probably going to explode in price because of EDH. I don't think it's something that we see a lot of play with on 60 card. Mm -hmm. 
I just think it is absolutely bonkers for EDH because we already know that artifacts are, you know, everybody's favorite combination or two card combos because they just go in every deck. Yep. Yeah. Great. This filters, it draws, it makes dudes, it makes advantage in every possible way. And it's a mythic. And once it gets out, uh, and this is something that I wanted to touch on. You and I agree this will be one of the most open sets ever. Yeah. I think that what's going to happen is once it get once everything's opened and there's like a little bit of a lull and it gets out, hey guys, there's no more of this. We're done. There is no more, none whatsoever. I think you may see some of this stuff start to go up then. And I think that the low-hanging mythics, such as Sahili Filigree Master, are exactly where you're going to see the movement first. Uh, Gwenna, I believe, is also a mythic. No, she's a rare. No, just a regular rare. Uh, I think anything under $3 is where that movement happens first. Yeah. And I think that this is something that right now, sure, it's a little bit high at $3. It'll probably dip down to like 150 to 2 Not a huge number difference to me. Mm-hmm. I think long-term, this is easily a 5 to $10 card. Uh, and again, long-term, 12 to 16 months, just based on timeline production, everything else. Uh I think it's great. Yeah. Yep. I, I like it overall. I, I don't know why, but for some reason, is it Artifacts never really clicks as a deck type for me, despite the fact that it is the one, two, three, fourth <laughs> most common theme for is it Commanders on EDH rec? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> if if I bring this up, Spellslinger almost doubles the next deck, which is Treasures, which is basically Artifacts. Artifacts. And between those two is Wheel, which is basically, uh, not Nezahal, um... Nekasar and like Nekasar, a Locust yeah. like yeah, and a little bit of Niv. Anything that pings when you draw, like that that deck is so narrow. But there's six thousand people playing them. The more they refine this, the more I like that it happens because there's this really long period of time where they just made really weird. Is it artifact yeah. generals that don't quite make sense? Like I thought Dalakos was going to be a lot better than it was, and that's all the way back in Theros Beyond Death. Like, four years ago, I thought this card was going to be the bee's knees. Tap, add double, yep. double wing ding. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Equipped creatures you control have flying and haste. That seems really strong to me. It costs a colorless and is it for a 2-4. That's it. Yeah. That is a lot. That is, seems very much above rate. Nobody plays this card. 166 no. people command their deck with it it's joyra otherwise joy was leading the pack by so much it's not funny but the more they do this the more they help kind of cut out they separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to the steam and i think continued refinement is really good for this theme yeah like remind people that is it does more than just play instants and sorceries there's a lot of love here for artifacts within this color pairing and the more they give people better tools to play the better and more intricate themes you can play within that. Otherwise, decks begin to look very much the same, i.e. the wheel joke that I just yeah. made. Uh, and it's it's very interesting because, I, like you said, it's such an under-the-radar theme for Is It, but, like, artificers, that's what they are. Yeah. It has been. Absolutely. And and it's, it's something that when we get artifact themes, inevitably one of the most forced multicolor combinations... Yeah. Is blue red? Yes, without fail. Sahili Rai came out in 
Kaladesh, which was an artifact-themed set, and she was Is it. Mm-hmm. The other one was Tezzeret, who was black-blue. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the top cards, so, and that has nothing to say about the abilities on this card at all. The the case that we've seen for a planeswalker that emblems this quickly in parallel is Gideon, ally of Zendikar, that comes down and zeros to make an emblem with when uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one. You pay four to make a Gideon, to zero Gideon, to make a st- emblems that stack. And you can do that with this Sahili, right? It takes two turns, though. One more than Gideon. Fine. Sure, yeah. Not a big deal. But... It is not just what Gideon does for artifacts, to creatures for artifacts. It is actually adding on one of the most popular elements of the artifact deck when you actually just look at, like, top cards in this theme, and that is reducing the cost of your artifacts overall. And that can't be understated about this card. Is That that emblem is, like, sickeningly good if you can drop it early in the game and then yep. pile on additional effects like that. And it is incredibly powerful and allows you to move forward with that game plan. And stuff like this just continues to hone in and not on that theme and say, like, yes, we're going to be a good deck. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to play a lot of mono reducers to get a lot of our larger artifacts into play faster so we don't have to play a million rocks and spin our wheels until yeah. the end of time. And this card says a lot about the theme that it looks like they're trying to push without in so many words placed on the cards itself. yeah so just real good yeah all right so that's it for me for this stuff um i got a bunch more picks i'll probably discuss in the in the discord uh this yeah. week and next same because i had like seven or eight more that i was thinking about including diabolic intent yes uh <clears throat> but are you ready for picks i am and you know what I'm going to go first yes, because please. my pick kind of piggybacks on having more picks. Uh, so my pick this week, and this is in my trend of recent picks, more of a market trend pick than anything. Yeah. Uh, the Ashnod's Altar schematic card from Brothers War. Yeah. Uh, I'm specifically foil non. Doesn't really matter. The same applies to both. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring up the stocks graph, and I want to mention for the people watching that you're going to see the art for the retro frame, but rest assured, it does say schematic in the top left, and we verify that the TCG player link on this page does go to the schematic, so this is just a visual issue. Continue. Yeah. So, as stated, this is going to be the most open set ever. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, right now, we have this card going for $15 in foil, six dollars and non buy list a month and a half ago on this card was seven dollars before we knew we were getting a retro foil printing why because it's one of the most played cards in edh it is not particularly close this card's insane it's ridiculous obviously soul ring stuff like that is more played ashnod's altar when i say most played i mean at every single level competitive casual invisible type x whatever you want to call it this card sees play in about a month or two, when these cards bottom out, and you can get the schematic foil for probably 10 bucks, non-foil for a dollar, or the regular old border one for probably 10 bucks, uh, that's when I would be buying it. Okay. Because, again, these cards are going to be worth way more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when Ashnod's Altar first had a foil printing, 
which was, if I'm not mistaken, Eternal, I think? Yes, Eternal. Yeah. Uh, that card quickly, like, blew up in price when it first released. And it's been sitting at, like, the 30 to $50 range for a while. Uh, but this art's way better. Uh, the schematic version is effectively, and this is worth mentioning if anyone hasn't noticed, it is just the Eternal Masters art, obviously, mm -hmm. as, you know, a line drawing. Uh, this is something that I think long-term is going to be very desired, and I would not be surprised if in 12 to 16 months, timeline with everything else from this set, we're looking at like a $15 buy list on this. Uh, because it is something that I think is unique. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, more and more people are starting to latch on to what looks good to them. Yes, yeah. And rather than max rarity or, oh, here's an invocation, because they're, and this is something you and I have harped on, it is so hard because there are so many versions to pick the version that's going to pop that to me it's like, look, it's schematic, it's unique, it's cool. Let's just go for it. That's the one I'm targeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, this is true of all of the schematic cards. I think overall in the market, all of these are good. Gilded Lotus, Swiftfoot Boots, Chromatic Lantern, uh, Scrap Trawler, any of them are just a really good pickup yeah. in the next month or two. Uh, Quantity-wise, all of these are EDH cards. Mm -hmm. There's some popper cards in there. I guess Chromatic Star is technically Old Border and sees play in Tron lists. Uh, but you really probably only need like four to five of most of these. Uh, maybe more if you go in on some of the more affordable ones. Uh, Mox Amber, another example that I think is going to tank so hard. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be looking at, you know, four or five, as many as 10 at the most. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I think has a lot of room for growth because of how low it's going to be when it bottoms out. Yeah. I, I think a lot of these will effectively be bulk rares because of how open the set is going to be that will, of course, recover. Gilded Lotus Prime example, we talked about it, I think, sometime last year where every single time it comes, it back. Goes, it comes yeah. back every single time because it's that played by casuals and, com and EDH. Yep. And as we all say, they drive the market. Yeah. I, I like these picks um, because they stand out as a, a nice service notice of... You don't have to buy immediately. You can give it some time, let the market settle, see what happens. Because right now the optics are on the serialized versions and people are yeah. popping for the serialized versions because that's where the hotness is. So stores are loading these up, individuals are loading these up. And it is it is a fight to the bottom, but it's also going to be kind of swampy down there when we get there. And yeah, you'll have absolutely have the opportunity to make a little bit of hay across the board. Like... We talked about before the show, I'm looking at specifically ones to play in you know various formats, mainly modern, so I'll be taking the, the star and the worms, some other yeah. odds and ends. Um, and a lot of what I like in the retro frame is very much my taste in this art. To the point that you made, I dislike that some of this art is actually just recycled and they didn't do a whole lot to it, which is the worm coil engine, but I just like the schematic behind it because I'm a homer yeah. for that card. But then there are cards like Goblin Charbelcher, Chromatic Star, even Staff of Domination that might use very similar art. Uh, what's another one? Lodestone Golem. That art is almost yeah. one-to-one. -one, but they added a lot more detail to it that makes it a little more interesting than just the generic art. Door to Nothingness is so close to the original version, it's barely different. 
and it's that that kind of bothers me and speaks to that point of like art is for the individual absolutely so you need to figure out if you're going to go in deep on some of these which one of the ones you think is the best overall for most sometimes your local player base and you know if you start to see them on camera a lot then maybe those versions yeah and give that give this a little bit of pause because this is like the secret layer issue which ones do you buy for financial gain well what we've been seeing recently is the ones that are that have the best skins for the game that's it whatever skin is the best yeah uh, uh, fortnite one i believe did really well the the league of legends reskin did yeah. really well people are going Very. nutty for the new cat set that's coming out at anniversary philly whatever it is but we don't know how we're yes. getting that one yet and we're we're kind of in that position exactly like you said so this is a good time to kind of learn that lesson of like what skins generally speaking does the general populace like and kind of go from there my pick is yet again what i believe is a foundational commander card and i know it's a continuous use of a nebulous term but when we're looking at cards like this it's just kind of like oh yeah moments and this one's reflecting pool for a while, this card was kind of non-existent in Commander because of the price point. It was only in uh, Tempest, and then once more in like Shadowmoor or something like that. Yeah, so Shadowmoor. Very, very expensive for a very long time. And they reprinted it a bunch, most recently in Commander Legends. You see I have the stocks graphed up, graph up, and just thankfully cratered the price of this card down to about six-ish dollars. It held well at eight for a fairly long time. I thought that was the bottom. That's when I bought in. And lo and behold, I got hoisted by about 60%, and I'm absolutely okay. I am perfectly okay having a loss on this card right now, because I believe in this card. So it's only been on my list for about five months. CK okay. was buying 50 at $2.50. There are 182 listings on TCG Player for $7.83 market. Card Kingdom is now buying 82 Sorry, 88 at $4.40, which is up from my note-taking of 82 at $4.20 nice so we exactly so we are up on both counts and we are now at a hundred sorry 304 listings on tcg player at five dollars 57 so card kingdom everything went up tcg player quantity went up price came down and that's kind of to be expected as people exit a card from a set that they most likely cracked infinite of drafting right you don't need remember when people drafted yeah it's cool (laughs) you should try it it's fun (laughs) now where does this card fit in the commander format from a playability standpoint? Well, every single multicolored deck should play this as part of their multicolored land suite. It's a no-brainer. From a format standpoint, on the whole, there's definitely a tier ranking for multicolored lands in the commander format, and after the small suite of multicolored lands that enter the battlefield untapped, this is next on the list and should always be. Now, that tier is very fungible, depending on how many colors you're playing. And it could be very narrow, where you have dual lands and shock lands, the buddy lands, etc. at the top, then reflecting pool. It could be a lot more forgiving, like five color, where you have City of Brass and Undiscovered of Priodice and Monica Influence, all this other stuff. And then reflecting pool, which taps for five. Vivids, turn reflecting pool on for five. You then three and four colors are a little more difficult. You have your shocks, again, you have your duels, you have pain lands, etc. You have triumphs reflecting pool fits in there somewhere but it's always at the top because it's just going to make one to however many mon- or colors of mana you can at any given time 
this is one of the best lands you can play outside of monocolored decks and the more colors you play the better it gets and there are, and like i said there are only so many good five color lands and reflecting pool is pretty close to the top of that list and i i think it actually kind of like it's um it's a u-curve where yeah. two and five are on the ends where it goes way up and like three and four are kind of somewhere at the bottom uh, maybe a little more of a W, I'm not really sure. But it's just an outstanding card in the format. And I think just people forgot about it for so long because the price was so high. Now, as far as timeline is concerned, I brought up the stocks graph. We saw market price tanked while buy list rose. And so we need to get in now to be able to exit in the short term, which I believe is about three months. But historics show that we should be able to make profit anytime after that three-month window. So... Velocity on this is about 500 year mint copies a month and about 100 LP a month. So we're really trying to like ride the crest of this wave. We want to get in before it starts to crash. And what I mean by that is if you get in after it starts to crash, the price has just gone up too high to make a decent amount of profit. If we're riding the crest, we're going to be able to ride it into a really nice profit margin before this like doubles up. And so I think any time in the next three months is the right time to buy after that it's the right time to start looking to start to trade or sell reprint equity is kind of interesting watsi has proven time and time again that they don't want to put this in commander sealed product but a supplemental here and there so i'm not too worried as demand will always remain white hot for this card but i don't know how many more supplementals are going to want to put this in we saw it in baldur's yeah. gate as opposed to have any of the other opportunities for draft even down to like conspiracy where i don't think we didn't see this in conspiracy it wasn't conspiracy that it was, wasn't conspiracy yeah yeah, right? yeah. Like, but that was the last reprint prior to baldur's gate yep there it is this is modern playable it could have been in any of the modern sets modern horizons gave us all those bridges they could have given us reflecting pool too uh they reprinted the vivid lands in modern horizons one city of brass and modern horizons one they could have put reflecting pool in there as well they yeah. chose not to so they continue to prove that you just don't really want to do the commander stuff but maybe a supplemental and so i would just kind of put the idea that this is ever coming back in any meaningful way just out of my head and not worry about it yeah um, as i mentioned i kind of hoisted myself but i bought about three play sets shortly after clb release and at this point i think the ceiling on quantity as far as ceiling and quantity is concerned that's probably where you want to be i think three play sets is like the max you're going to want you know that's 12 copies of this card that's not illiquid as far as outing them to locals is concerned yeah. but it makes it a little more difficult to try and make profit through trade before buy a list because again this came from a draft set that was out not too long ago and we're seeing those drafters list this card so i expect that means locals are kind of flush but if they're in binders scoop them yeah i i've noticed and it, you mentioned being in binders flush uh, this is something I cannot tell you how many times I've seen in somebody's binder and used to even out a trade. Because it's something that I know immediately I can get rid of to somebody. Someone somewhere will want this card. It just has insane liquidity. Yep, absolutely. Like, we see, we can see the numbers on TCG Player. I just run the little tool that I built that yep. our patrons have access to, and you can see very clearly how, like the, the velo on this card. And I'm not upset that it's taken this long. I'm actually kind of happy because that means that like supply and demand are right where they need to be. And eventually we will turn a corner. 
and I believe that's just that is just coming within the next three months. Yeah, and that that's where I would want to be. Moreover, as a player, not even a speculator, this is we've had this trough here for so long, and you, we can see when you zoom in that market is finally starting to turn. That just buying your copies now is the right time to do this because it's not going to get any cheaper in the immediate future. Excuse me, the immediate future. So I would, even as a player, just move in. You could you could go with like you want to call it the commander playset, the gentleman's playset of five. Yeah, yeah. By all means, go for it. This is this should be an easy pickup and an easy flip at some point. And I just think now that it is back in you know the mm, commander zeitgeist. This is the oppor- This is our opportunity for yeah. this card, and I would not expect it to come again. Not not for a while. And I think the, the interesting thing when you mentioned reprints is that in Modern Horizons, we got the vi- Vivid Lands, but we, or sorry, was it Modern Masters? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mo- the first Mod- Modern, Modern Masters Ma- was yeah. the Vivid Lands and City of Brass. And City. Yeah. Well, it, that would have been the point to reprint it because that was literally standard five-color control back in the mm-hmm. day during Lorwyn Standard was Vivid Lands with Reflecting Pool. Yes. That was how you got five colors because Reflecting Pool was an automatic five-color land. Mm -hmm. If they didn't reprint it, when they literally had a constructed basis to print the card for limited, I don't understand, like, I don't think we're going to see it in another big set. And I think that this is also one of those cards that as more people come to the game, just gets more and more valuable. Yeah. Because it's something that it, it is an affordable enough price point that I don't mind not proxying it in five different decks, right? Yeah, yeah. If I have a bunch of multicolor decks, eh, it's, you know, if it's less than 20 bucks, I'll just buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to proxy it. I don't want to swap my duels out. I don't want to swap my fetches out as a casual player, but I'll certainly swap out, you know, I, I'll, or sorry, I'll swap out my duels and fetches. I don't want to swap yeah, out yeah. a $20 card. I'll just buy another one. Yeah, t- to your point, new new players coming to the game have more resources to them now than players did at any point in time. So as this picks up in popularity for use by players who self-report back to EDH rec, they're yep. going to see this card there, hopefully, all over the place. And so that is just an additional push over time. Whereas for from Shadowmoor up until... I don't even know what happened with Conspiracy. Why it just didn't pick up there. But from Shadowmoor all the way to now, people just didn't notice that this card was an option. So it wasn't really floating around in lists. Now with the Baldur's Gate reprint and just like the absolute crush on price, yeah, it's the time to go. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's really solid. Uh, It's something that I... I also think it's one of those cards that kind of gets forgotten as well. Well, that's why uh, I think you, it was like. It, you don't think about it till you need it. Well, beyond that, it was just so expensive for so long. Like. Yeah, I, people just counted it out of mind that like, oh nope, because there was there was a point uh, prior to the conspiracy print where I think it reached like thirty forty dollars. Yes, I I I believe that was the case. Either the yeah. the Shadowmoor version or the Tempest version. I, I think remember. it was the Tempest one. Yeah. Um, but I because I remember for a long time the Korean Tempest one was the most expensive one, and it wasn't particularly close. Okay. Uh, I. The Tempest one sat at like ten for a while, but everything spiked to like thirty in the last yep. year for some reason. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's just I it has a price history there. I could certainly see it getting there again. I think it's a really solid, really solid yep. pickup. Thank you. Um 
But that's it for me this week. You got anything else? Nope, I'm good. Right. Then we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. <laughs>